With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. It's been a whirlwind of a week. The Omicron coronavirus variant has been giving investors the jitters, rattling aviation stocks. Chinese ride-hailing giant Didi has made a shocker of an announcement saying it plans to delist from the New York Stock Exchange. The nation's 2021 GDP is tipped to surpass its original target. With all the latest news that counts, here's what's been happening in China over the past week. And we start with some blockbuster news about Didi Global. Last week, the company sensationally announced that it would delist from the New York Stock Exchange and pursue a listing in Hong Kong. According to experts, Didi faces a bumpy ride ahead and its associated stocks tumbled. On December 3rd, the ride-hailing giant announced in a one-line Weibo post that after careful consideration, it had decided to delist. The news came less than six months after Didi's $4.4 billion New York IPO on June 30th, which was marred two days later by an announcement from Chinese regulators that they were investigating whether the firm was a risk to national security. That announcement heralded a regulatory campaign affecting Chinese tech companies, which has extended to scores of other data-rich firms and helped drive shares of Chinese concept stocks to all-time lows. About half of Didi's value has been wiped out since July. In huge economic news, China's Vice Premier Liu He says that national GDP growth for the full year of 2021 will surpass its target. The vice premier broke the news in a video message delivered to the Hamburg summit, also saying that the government has strong confidence in China's economy next year. Analysts expect China's economic expansion to continue to moderate in the fourth quarter from the 4.9% year-on-year pace seen in the July through September period, which was the weakest in a year. The economy is grappling with a series of challenges, including surging raw material prices and property jitters. Even so, some analysts have said China will still be able to achieve its full-year GDP growth target of above 6%, which was announced in March. 
In other major news, shares of major Chinese airlines dipped as the discovery of a new variant of COVID-19 triggered fresh travel restrictions and further obscured the aviation industry's path to recovery. The new variant, of course, is Omicron, which was first identified in southern Africa in November and was recently designated a variant of concern by the World Health Organization. To tackle the spread of the Omicron variant, a growing list of countries have restricted flights and non-residents traveling from some southern African countries. The news sent the mainland stocks of several local airlines, including China Southern Airlines, Air China, and China Eastern, sliding last week. The emergence of the variant also throws into doubt plans to gradually loosen China's border controls from the middle of next year. In other big aviation news, Boeing's 737 MAX jetliner is getting much closer to returning to Chinese skies. Beijing has instructed airlines to make changes needed to fly the 737 MAX, clearing the way for the plane's return to service in China after it was grounded globally more than two and a half years ago. In an airworthiness directive released last week, the country's aviation watchdog said that Boeing's corrective actions on 737 MAX's maneuvering characteristics augmentation system are adequate to address safety issues. The authority didn't specify when airlines would be allowed to resume flying the planes. A person from a domestic airline told Caixin that airlines need to wait for further notice from China's aviation regulator to put the 737 MAX back into service. Moving on now to the latest Evergrande news. Last week, the Guangdong provincial government summoned the scandal-plagued developer's chairman, Hui Kaiyan, as well as decided to send a working team to the indebted real estate giant to help defuse its debt crisis. According to the government's website, the advisors will help Evergrande, quote, resolve its risks, enhance its internal risk management, and maintain normal business operations, unquote. The move came shortly after Evergrande said it would have trouble repaying a $260 million debt guarantee obligation, hinting at the possibility of triggering cross-defaults on its $19.2 billion in outstanding dollar bonds. Now, remember the documentary American Factory? Well, in big news, the Chinese star of the Oscar-winning film is now turning his attention to education. Cao De Wang the chairman of Fuyao Glass plans to build a university with the goal of cultivating applied research and technical talent to bolster China's self-sufficiency, which is, of course, seen as crucial in the country's increasing tech rivalry with the U.S. The Heren Charitable Foundation, which was founded by the Fuyao chairman, who also leads the project, announced the signing of a strategic cooperation framework agreement for the university's construction with the city of Fuzhou, which is located in East China's Fujian province. The new university plans to set up six faculties, including material science and engineering, environmental science, instrumental science, electronic and information engineering, as well as schools of science and economics management. There's been a public outcry online recently over allegations of animal cruelty leveled at the production company behind the popular drama Dang Jia Chu Mu, which also goes by the English title Marvelous Women. The claims are over a pretty graphic scene in which a real cat appears to die from poisoning. 
In reaction to the realism of the depiction, scores of angry Chinese social media users have demanded that the TV show producers release on-set footage to prove the cat was still alive and unharmed, while other users have called on platforms to remove the entire drama series. In response to the controversy, the show's production team released a statement saying the blood from the cat's mouth was an edible fluid given to the animal. They also posted a 40-second video of what appeared to be the same cat, saying it proved the animal was alive and well. However, these steps did little to put out the social media firestorm, with many users questioning whether the cat in the video was even the same animal seen in the TV series. What makes things more suspicious is that one of the show's actors has told media that he was on set when the scene with the white cat was shot and saw the animal being injected with an unknown liquid four or five times. When asked if this actor was telling the truth, the production company responded by saying that it is not convenient to answer this question. Hmm. Let's turn now to Nandini Venkata, co-producer of this program and podcast producer for Caixin Global. Welcome back, Nandini. Hey, Kaiser. Great to be back on the show. Hope you're doing well. I am indeed, and anxious to hear from you about the big story of the week. Yeah, so for this week's episode, I wanted to discuss a pretty heartbreaking story that Session has been covering. It's all about how one woman has found herself in the middle of a very fierce legal battle, and that's all in a bid for her to secure medical treatment for her child. So to protect this lady's identity, um, we'll be using Li Xia. So Li is a 35-year-old mother with a one-year-old son who is living with a rare form of epilepsy. So this um, type of illness causes young children to have frequent seizures and also development issues. So as I understand it, Nandini, in order for Ms. Li to secure medical treatment for her child, She has turned to desperate measures and has ended up in all sorts of legal trouble. Yeah, that's right. So Lee, alongside three other mothers, has been charged with drug smuggling. Now, that's all after these four women were found to have been importing a controlled narcotic to treat their children's rare form of epilepsy. So in other words, the big problem um, with all of this is that These women had been importing a medicine that is not authorized by the Chinese government for sale in China. And on top of that, it's also really important to understand that it's also regarded as an illegal drug. Now, that medicine that Li had been buying for her son is a psychoactive drug um, that's called Clobazam. In other countries, such as the US, Canada, and India, Clobazam has been approved for sale for medical purposes. So Lee had been buying this drug from an agent through WeChat, and that same agent had been purchasing the drug abroad. Now, according to Lee, this medication had helped her child's condition improve significantly. I should also add that back in this summer, 2021, The same agent asked Lee if she was willing to receive an overseas parcel containing Clobazam. The agent asked her to do this because he wanted to avoid custom checks. And um, once she received the parcel, Lee would then forward it onto the agent. But 
as I said earlier, the authorities ended up catching on to all of this. And Lee was detained by police in autumn. That's amid suspicions that she was helping the agent to transport Clobazam. So the big question that everyone's wondering is, I guess, what's going to happen to these mothers who are facing these drug smuggling charges? Will they be potentially facing punishment as well? Well, first of all, I should point out that China's drug law stipulates that people can, in certain circumstances, produce operate, use, store, and transport narcotic drugs, as well as psychotropic substances for the purposes of medical treatment, teaching, and scientific research. So given that the motive of these mothers was to treat their sick children, the prosecutors therefore offered these women a deal. And that deal was that if they admit that they had broken the law, all of them would not be prosecuted, nor would they face any punishment. So I guess at a first glance, to some people, this may sound like a pretty good deal because um, it sounds basically like you're off the hook if you agree to it. However, Li Xia was not happy about it. And unlike the other three mothers, she not only refused to sign it, but she has actually also filed an appeal. She's now on a mission to get prosecutors to reverse their decision about the drug smuggling charge and officially rule that she has not broken the law. So this is the argument that Lee and her lawyer are making. They say that she did not break the law because her actions were motivated by medical need, not profit, and also had no ill effect upon society. And that is also not the only reason why she's so determined for the prosecutor decision to be reversed. It seems that she also doesn't want to associate her child's medical treatment with drug trafficking. She also has fears that such charges can make it even harder to buy necessary medication. For instance, Lee told Session she's worried that other parents will be unable to import and distribute the medicine that their children need if such actions are ruled illegal. As her lawyer passes, it is a tragedy for people to risk drug offenses to buy life-saving drugs. The law shouldn't make mothers choose between committing a crime or saving their children. Well, the story is probably reminding at least some of our listeners of a very well-known and well-regarded Chinese film from 2018. Uh, in English, it's called Dying to Survive. In Chinese, it's called uh, which was inspired by real-life events where a leukemia patient bought generic cancer drugs from abroad and sold them to other uh, Chinese cancer patients who couldn't afford them. But uh, getting back to this story about Li... Could you tell us about this agent who she has been buying from? Uh, did he or she also get into trouble? Yeah, so her agent has actually now been prosecuted for drug trafficking. According to the prosecutors, the agent bought Clopazam from overseas at a low price and made a profit by selling it to families of people with epilepsy. But according to the state-run Red Star News, the agency is insisting that he wasn't guilty of these charges. What's more, the agent's relatives say that 
this man actually has a eight-year-old child living with epilepsy who has been treated with clobazam as per doctor's recommendations. So according to local media reports, while buying clobazam to treat his daughter, the agent then also purchased the drug for others and he gradually developed a sort of business. But Lee's lawyer told Session that the agent's behavior should not be classed as drug smuggling. So while the agent bought and sold Clobazam, he only sold to people with actual treatment needs and the curative effects were obvious. The lawyer adds that instead, the agent could have committed the less serious crime of illegally operating a business. So all in all, this is a really gripping story for a whole host of reasons. But in the end, you can see that Lee, as well as these other mothers, still remain in a really difficult position. And that is that they still face the challenge of how to, you know, get this necessary medication for their children. Well, thanks so much, Nandini, for filling us in. Thanks, Kaiser. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Yes, definitely looking forward to it. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Vincata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. If you want to listen to our extensive back catalog of podcasts or check out more of Caixin Global's great journalism, then download our app or head online to caixinglobal.com. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Sup China Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.